The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Calls for immediate publication of proposed wording on the women in the home clause in the Irish Constitution have intensified. A coalition of NGOs concerned about a lack of time for national discourse are pressing the government for clarity ahead of the gender equality referendum scheduled for November. To discuss this, I'm joined by the CEO of One Family, Karen Kiernan, and Labour Party leader, Ivana Bacic. Ivana, if I may start with you, can you explain why it's necessary to replace it with anything? Why can it not just be deleted? Well, good morning, Anton, and it's a really good question. Uh, the uh, the language in the Constitution in Article 41 is uh, clearly outdated. Uh, it's also very much stereotyping of women, describing women as having life within the home and mothers as having duties in the home, and of course, no reference to fathers. So for a long, long time, many years now, uh, it's been recommended by numerous national and international bodies that we would change or replace that wording. And originally, it, for many years, it was thought we should simply have a constitutional referendum to delete uh, the sexist language. However, in more recent years, I think there's been a growing realisation that simply to delete that the language would be a missed opportunity, that instead we should look to replace that language with language that reflects the recognition and support and appreciation that society should give to care, to those who provide care, to those who need care, uh, and that we should have that sort of gender neutral language in the Constitution instead. The Citizens' Assembly on gender equality gave this this question very careful consideration a few years ago and recommended a, a, a rough text that would change the wording, take out the sexist language about women and mothers and replace it with language valuing care. And I chaired then the Oireachtas Committee on Gender Equality, which met uh, again just for a year and which reported last December and which actually gave government a set of recommended text to replace the sexist language and replace it with language that would value care, along with also, of course, providing a more inclusive definition of family, because currently the Constitution, your listeners may not be aware, the Constitution only recognises a family that is based upon marriage. And of course, that no longer reflects the reality of the many diverse family forms that we have in the state now. And we need to see the recognition of family life extended to all forms of family. So, you know, the, the wording is out there. The government, the Taoiseach, in response to a question from me in March, committed to holding a referendum this long overdue referendum in November. We've given on a cross-party basis, I had members of all parties and none represented on my committee, we recommended a draft text to the government. And unfortunately, there's just been foot dragging in the month since March. So I'm really glad to see one family and the National Women's Council and the other organisations coming out today and calling for the government to give clarity on the timeline for the referendum, which the Taoiseach had promised, I should say, in November of this year. He promised that it would be held in November. Uh, He said as recently as July that they were going to stick to that time frame. But, you know, we need to see the government's own version of the text published really as soon as possible if that is to be a reality. Probably we're just taking a moment to remind ourselves of what the actual uh, Article 41.2 of the Constitution says and it reads, in particular, the state recognises that by her life within the home, woman gives to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. The state shall therefore endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic necessity to engage in labour to neglect of their duties in the home. Uh, without wishing for a direct quote, Van, if you don't have it to hand, give us a paraphrased version of what you suggested as a replacement for that. 
I have it to hand. But first to say, you're right to read that out, Anton, because it's extraordinary language. I mean, even in 1937, when it was drafted, it was out of date, you know, and it's deeply, deeply sexist. It doesn't recognise the important role of fathers, of course, and it places mothers and women firmly in the home and not having any sort of contribution to make to public life. So it's very outdated. We've been criticised widely internationally for continuing to have it in our constitution. Our replacement text, which I have in front of me and which your listeners will be able to see if you just Google the Gender Equality Committee report from December of last year, we said instead... Article 41.2 should say the state recognises that care within and outside the home and family gives to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. The state shall therefore take reasonable measures to support care within and outside the home and family. So it's a very simple, very straightforward replacement, essentially replacing the gendered language of women and mothers with a much broader and more inclusive recognition of care and the value that care, both within and outside the home and family, that value that care gives to us all, not just, and the state, I suppose, you know, that's the language of the constitution, but that means that we all know just how much we need carers, that just how much those who receive care, you know, should be valued by our state and by our society. There's no recognition currently in the constitution of, of caring, of the carer's role, of the, of the important needs and, and rights of those who receive care. And this would, would ensure that we would change our constitution. It would become uh, more up to date, but also hugely importantly, that we would show just how much we as a country and a society value care. You, you lauded um, one family earlier on in our discussion for putting um, some pressure on to get a, a, a suggested wording for this referendum. Karen Kiernan, who is CEO of One Family, is with us. Karen, any time a discussion like this comes up, one of the questions that people ask is, or uh, that commonly gets asked is, why is it necessary for something like this to be enshrined within the Constitution? Because uh, the defining characteristic of a good Constitution is that it is thin. Yeah, that's an it's a, it's an interesting one, and you're right. And I suppose the last few referendums had very clear outcomes. For one family, what we're looking at in terms of the definition of the family in the constitution, there is already wording there, but it is limited to giving rights and protection to the marital family, and that has quite serious practical, legal, and symbolic limitations on other families. And at this point in Ireland, we would like there to be recognition and support for all families and we believe that that's what Ireland is ready for and there's huge support for that. So there are some practical problems in the Social Welfare Code. There's a case gone to the Supreme Court actually on this from um, a widower who was not married to his partner and therefore the Social Welfare said you can't have a pension. Um, And then there are other tax issues for people who are not married to each other. But very importantly, our organisation was founded over 50 years ago by women who were not married, who became mother pregnant and mothers worked to keep their children in 1970s Ireland. And they, it is really important to them that Ireland becomes a place that is friendly for all types of families because they are not a constitutional family. Um, you know, an unmarried couple living together for 20, 30, 40 years are not a constitutional family. And does the wording and, of the constitution achieve that? Does it? Do you mean the changes? Would it achieve? The- As in, does somebody feel more or less welcomed in the society in which they live because of the wording of a document that they are highly unlikely to ever read? Well, some people do. Yes, that's absolutely what I'm saying to you. Some people may not be aware 
And for many people, they don't know that they're not a constitutional family. And for others, they do feel it because they have seen and they have lived through the times when children were taken away from unmarried mothers and children and women were incarcerated. And for us, we believe there's a need for symbolic reparation of what was done. But we also know that for unmarried couples today, there are different things that they have to sign, say, in relation to the Family Home Act that may not apply to them, that they cannot, they're not entitled to social welfare or tax supports based on living with their partner. But if they got married, they could. So there, it comes up against people. And for some people, they feel it. And for some people, they may not be aware, as you say. But we believe that it's time now in Ireland for us to be aware as a country that actually we're leaving some families and really important children and parents behind. And why don't we move forward? And there's huge support for this. We know that. So we would like our constitution to protect all families, whether they're based in marriage or not. The kind of issues that you described, the taxation issues, the social welfare issues, the inheritance issues, are they rooted in legislative problems or in constitutional problems? Well, the case that's with the Supreme Court at the moment, what they're talking about there is the fact that the Department of Social Welfare and the legislation, say around pensions, has to privilege the marital family. So that is legislation that is flowing from the Constitution and is causing a problem for a widower and his three young children because they now can't access a payment that somebody else can because they were married. So that's, that's a really clear example of something that's unfair flowing from the Constitution. Ivana, if this gets changed, is there any concern that it may have unintended consequences in terms of forcing the government to either take legislative action or to give financial supports to um, families or to people that they otherwise wouldn't have to do? No, I think, you know, at this stage, there's been quite a number of expert reports. There's been the Citizens' Assembly consideration and our own all-party committee consideration. And in all of those deliberations, we've really been very careful to uh, to ensure that there would not be unintended conse- consequences, that, of course, whenever we're looking at text to amend the Constitution, we have to be conscious of that. But I think the key thing here is to ensure that we have a simple and straightforward replacement text. And I've, you know, given you, given you Anton, a you know, an indication of the sort of wording we've proposed to replace the sexist language about women. But just listening to Karen's important points about how we change the definition of family, our committee also recommended text to replace the current te- the current constitutional article 41.3, which refers to the institution of marriage as being that on which the family is founded. And we've said very simply instead, the state should pledge itself to guard with special care the family, including but not limited to the marital family. So in other words, there are very very simple and straightforward ways that we can create a more inclusive definition of family in the Constitution without imposing, if you like, any particular uh, restrictions upon government, but certainly providing that vitally important symbolic recognition, but also providing an important guidance to the courts so that in cases like the case Karen described, which is the Johnny O'Mara case, your listeners may be familiar with a very, very difficult and and very distressing set of circumstances for for, for, for a family faced with a bereavement and then the lack of recognition from the state because the couple were not married. So, you know, that's the sort of case where a constitutional change of this kind will give courts a guidance but will not tie the hands of government. I think that's what we're looking to do and 
both the Citizens' Assembly and our own Oireachtas Committee as legislators, we were all very conscious of the need to be mindful of, you know, of, of any sort of consequences that might flow from constitutional change. But look, Anton, this is a constitutional change, both the removal of the sexist language around women and mothers and the creation of a more inclusive definition of family. These are two key changes that have been recommended for many years. The key thing now is for government simply to move forward with providing and publishing the text for the changes and and committing to that referendum timeline for November. Interesting text response to 53106. Hi Anton, it's very unfair that I get no recognition as a carer as my work and care in the home is based on my husband's income. I've given up my career to care 24-7 and I am a person in my own right and should be rewarded. Carer's allowance based on my income, which is zero and not on my husband's. Another, as a single parent, when you buy a house, you have to sign an affidavit to swear the home you are buying is not a family home. I find it so demeaning. It feels like a carryover from the dark days of the laundries forcing us to declare that we are not proper families. Another recent research showed that a significant number of women started their wish, stated their wish to stay home with their own children, but said that it is unaffordable. Interestingly, this exact issue is covered by the Women in the Home Clause in the Constitution. In contrast to the popular summary of this clause, it does not force women into the kitchen. Instead, it wants women to have the choice so that if they want to stay home, they should not be forced to work outside the home by economic necessity. Now, to that um, issue, Ivana, you mentioned the symbolism of it. Given that we have more than 80 years of a history of women being forced out of the home by economic necessity, does it make any difference? Well, it's a very interesting points made by your listeners there. And just to say, you know, how, how important it is to acknowledge the huge value that carers, you know, provide to society, to all of us, to families and to others. Uh, and I think that's reflected in, you know, in many carers, as, as your listener said, feel very much unrecognized and unacknowledged at present. That has to change. We heard in our committee from many carers representatives and from many groups of individuals receiving care who spoke about how devalued, the undervalued they feel in society. So that's, you know, important that we would, that we would change that in our constitution. Uh, your, the listener who speaks about you know being forced out of the home by economic necessity uh, and how could that change? Interestingly, there was an attempt some years ago to use the current text of Article 41.2 to argue that women who stay, who work within the home, who do not go out, you know, who do not uh, work outside the home, that those women should be entitled to some form of you know financial or practical support from the state. But that case failed. So there was, in other words, a reading of the constitutional text that might have suggested that the state should give real value to the to women working within the home, uh, but but the, but the courts didn't give it that recognition. So the article has never had any positive benefit for those women who work within the home, and that I think that that's an important point to be made that it hasn't had the po- any sort of positive impact in that way that many many listeners might think it, it, it should have. Instead, it's simply been used to, I suppose you know, uh, underlie state policy for many years, which saw women as having no real role in public life, you know, and that's the reality that, you know, we have a very shameful history in Ireland. And again, one of your listeners points this out of incarcerating women in laundries, children in industrial schools, mother and baby homes, uh, you know, for a long time, women have not had the, uh, the presence in public life that I think we should have and that, you know, we do need to have in a representative democracy. Even today, Anton, our doll is less than one quarter women. There's only 37 of us women TDs. And that's extraordinary in a modern European state. Less than one quarter of our TDs are women. And it's not that long since we had a civil service policy of expulsion from the service once you decided to get married when you were a woman. 
Precisely. The marriage bar, as it was colloquially known. And many of your, again, many of your listeners, many women in Ireland have very clear memories of that being forced in, forced into the home by state policy, which saw women as only having a life within the home and mothers as having duties in the home. It's also deeply uh, disrespectful to the huge role that fathers now, now play in the home. You know, and again, even in 1937, women objected and protested outside the doll at this text. Even in 1937, many women saw this as not being reflective of the reality of women's lives and not being reflective of the need to see more women involved in public life, in political life, in, in decision making, both outside and inside the home. And certainly the changes we're make, we're proposing would not in any way uh, remove any sort of value from the work within the home and caring within the home. Indeed, what we're saying is everyone who provides care uh, should be their their work and their contribution should be valued and all those who receive care also should have their rights recognised in our constitution. Ivana, thank you. That's Ivana Batchik, Labour Party leader and before her, Karen Kiernan, CEO of One Family. Now we'll give you a chance. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.